Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, Well, today uh, we are diving into our new summer teaching series called The Seven Churches of Revelation. Uh, Over the next seven weeks beyond uh, this Sunday, uh, we're going to seek to understand the importance and the relevance of this very text for our lives today. Because we believe that the book of Revelation, just like the rest of our Bibles, uh, is there for a reason that it's valuable and important to our faith, to our understanding of God and His kingdom. Uh, It is there for a reason. Our series specifically is going to focus uh, on the words, the exhortations that were written to the seven churches that we find in chapters 2 and chapter 3. Throughout this study, we want to hear and understand, we want to hear and know the context that it was written in the first century and what those readers heard, but we also have an opportunity to listen in. We have an opportunity to hear the words, the exhortations of the Lord to those churches, and we have an opportunity to hear that in our lives and in our church for 2023. It would be a huge mistake to only look at Revelation as being important 2,000 years ago. And so we want to dive into the text and understand its relevance and importance and, yes, its message for us today. Uh, and from the very beginning, as we're stepping into this series, uh, I just want to acknowledge that there are times, and, and many of you may be experiencing it right now, that there are tensions or even fears that enter a room when you hear that the message is on Revelation. That there are uh, uh, some of you that takes your breath away in anxiety. For some of you, you get really excited. And like you're starting to pull up your YouTube prophets and you're linking all the pieces together and you're stoked that it's revelation time. I would propose that no matter which camp you're in today, that those feelings play a role. They affect our ability to approach this text with an open mind and an open heart to the leading of the Spirit. I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Uh, Does anyone know by a quick show of hands or did you read the Left Behind book series from the 90s? Is anybody? A couple of you. I, I was just a kid. That picture right there, like when I Googled that, because it had been a while, like that picture alone stirs feelings in me. Now, feelings aren't everything, but they are something. I, I, that was 1995. Uh, I was a child, none of your business. Uh, but I, I remember like this mix of emotions because I, I wanted to know But yet I was terrified of the thought of being left behind. Every time I made a mistake or something went wrong, I was terrified that I was going to miss the rapture. 
And this whole series is written uh, about one view of the end times, and they kind of unpack what that may be like. And and I remember just thinking that my parents were going to disappear one day, and there would just be a pile of clothes, and I would be left as a kid. And I was thinking, this is terrible, but I was thinking, who do I know that doesn't go to church that I can go live with? (laughs) Like, Like, right, like that's funny now, but in that time, that was real. That's the power. That is some of the things, the nuance that goes on when we study Revelation. Does anybody, this is a good one, Y2K, the year 2000, does anybody remember the apocalyptic predictions around Y2K? Now, young people, if you're in the room, you're going to lose a little faith in us older people because we believed uh, coming out of 1999 that when like all the computers and the banking systems and all that stuff went from, you know, designating as just 99 to 2000 that the world was going to end. And people attached eschatological significance that Jesus was going to come back at Y2K. Now, I know, young people, you just lost a lot of faith in older generations. (laughs) But it was a real thing. It was real. And people were tying that together with the return of Christ Jesus. This is a little bit more recent. You may or may not have heard. But 2015, the age of social media, uh, there was a pastor uh, named Mark Blitz. Uh, In September the 28th, 2015, he was confident that the Lord was going to return on that date. Now, it's um, July 2nd, 2023. We can tell that there was something awry with that prediction. But there was this effect there where it gained momentum. It gained popularity by that prediction. And so I'm taking time now to mention these things because I think it's important we recognize uh, because of our access to information, because of our history with this text, that it's very easy for us to enter a study like this with what I call being loaded. Loaded with emotions, loaded with anxieties or excitements, to be loaded with certain messages that we've been carrying in to the passage. And some of those things are valuable, and I'm not to discredit any of that, but I want us to be aware. Because my goal and our goal in journeying through this series in the book of the Revelation is to hear afresh and anew, to hear from the Holy Spirit what He's speaking to us today, to understand historically what they heard and the warnings that they heard, and to apply that to our lives today, and to see Jesus revelation let's pray together father in heaven we thank you today for the witness of your word Uh, lord that you loved the first century church enough to warn them lord where their love had grown cold where they had turned to idolatry to so many things lord you were inviting them back you were warning them about the path they were on and lord you also loved the church enough to reveal the future the coming and the fulfillment of your kingdom and your power and your glory lord jesus And so today we thank you that we are stepping into a generation's long tradition, a blessing, your word says, of studying your word. And so, Lord, help us to approach this text with humility, with an open and attentive heart to your leading, Lord Jesus. Transform us by you, by who you are, and your hope as we study, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Uh, so today, our goal, our mission is to kind of see uh, the focus of Revelation, to understand a little bit of the journey. But we're, we're going to dive in and we want to understand a little bit of just the facts and the nuance around the letter. And so one of the first things we want to talk about is who's writing, who was pinning all of this content uh, that we have today. And, and verse 1 records the author's name as John. Uh, now, we, have, we know lots of Johns, Pastor John's back here, uh, but John in Revelation, the church historically has believed uh, that it was the Apostle John, the John that wrote the gospel and uh, the three epistles that bear his name. Uh, now, with any study of Revelation, there's just a bracketed, uh, almost disclaimer, that if you go to Google, you can find someone to disagree with anything about Revelation. Uh, and we cannot chase all that down, we're not going to. Uh, but so we're going to go with the flow of, of the church history, the tradition, and that John, the Apostle John, is the author. Uh, and dating is another debated thing among scholars. Uh, some want to place it early, around the 50s, and others uh, anchor it around the end of the first century, around 90 to 95 A.D. Uh, and so what ha what's going on in John's life, and we'll unpack this a little bit, uh, the Roman government was seeking to punish the Apostle John. Uh, they uh, couldn't shut him up from preaching about Jesus. They couldn't get him to be quiet about this uh, new kingdom and this new king. And so they sent him to the island of Patmos to die. So in our mind, maybe think about Alcatraz, but, you know, in the first century. Uh, if you Google for images of Patmos now, it's a beautiful island with, with stunning architecture. But then it was a desolate place that you were sent to die. And that's where uh, John was, and it's, it's quite a turn of irony uh, that John receives a profound revelation, a profound vision from the Lord as he's been banished uh, to Alcatraz in the first century. Uh, verse 19 of chapter 1 records uh, kind of the instructions that he was given, and it says there, uh, write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. So, so John, as he is there, he's been told to write down what he sees, the visions, the, the words that Jesus is giving, the imagery of Jesus himself. And as we'll dive in today, we see a beautiful, uh, detailed description of the resurrected King of glory. And what is now the message that was relevant uh, to the churches in 90 AD, the first century, and what will take place later? Now, certainly there were uh, events just ahead of the first century, but there's also events ahead of us today because we are stepping into the timeline, the chronological sequence of the book of Revelation. And so it brings immediate relevance to our lives today. And John was told to write it all down to write down what he sees, what he hears, and to share that with the churches. So what's the message? The message is the text we find in Revelation. That's what we call the book. And friends, the theme emerges immediately as John begins to write. In Revelation 1, verse 1. If you have your copy of Scripture, I invite you to turn there to follow along today. But, but the first words that John pens... The revelation from Jesus Christ. There it is. Like, there's the theme. <laughs> there's the theme. There's the theme and the focus. The, the word revelation means an unveiling, a, an uncovering, a revealing, a, a, a making things known. And so notice it's the unveiling, the revealing, the making known from Jesus. He is the one doing the revealing. Now, some translations say they're the revealing of Jesus Christ. 
And so we see there that, that the interpreters are, are, are wrestling with this idea because at, at one and the same time, uh, Jesus is the one doing the revealing and he's the substance of the revelation. So Jesus is giving this vision. He's giving it to John and the message to the churches, but it's about himself. It's about his kingdom and his glory. So he at the same time is the revealer and he is the revelation. It's Jesus. Letter. Let's continue in our text there at verse 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything that he saw. This is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he brings this idea to show what must soon take place. And immediately we encounter uh, one of the struggles, if you will, with our, our understanding, our engaging of this text, this idea of soon. Now, husbands and wives, are, if you've set a time, you, you're heading out for an appointment maybe, a dinner out uh, for a nice meal at 6 p.m. Well, one of you, I'm, I don't care which, is, is standing at the door at 5.30, keys in hand, shoes on, pocketbook, wallet, you're ready to go. But nobody else is there to be found. And so you holler up the steps, are you ready? I'll be there soon. And in that moment, you don't know whether to just wait 30 more seconds or to just go sit on a recliner and wait a couple more minutes, right? Like we, have, we struggle with this idea of soon, where and how quickly are things going to happen and so as we hear in our text, we understand that there is an urgency to this message. There was an urgency to those who first heard it in the first century. There were things coming chronologically soon in their lives. And yet as we would zoom out, we consider and understand that there are events yet to come in the book of Revelation that we should consider today as being near, as being soon. And, and so the relevancy of this text is near. It is soon. Let's continue today in verse 3. It says, Blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So here again, we're, we're picking in this idea of the time is near, it is coming soon. But look, there is a blessing on those who will read and understand and obey the message of Jesus. There's a blessing today in obedience. There's a blessing in, in, in engaging and encountering his word and wrestling with the truth that is revealed. So how about that? You showed up to church and got a blessing today because we're in Revelation. There is a blessing. And this letter uh, has been written, it's been a part of church tradition for thousands of years. And so today we are joining in the history and the tradition of the church universal. And at verse 4, we begin to get into the content, the meat of the letter, if you will. Verse 4 of chapter 1 says, uh, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits uh, before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That is good news. 
And he has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7 says, look, he is coming back with the clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. What a picture of Jesus and his kingdom. This is the focus. I mean, this is verse 4. We have gotten nowhere before we're immediately confronted with a picture, a portrait, a descriptor of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Just listen to some of the words, some of the descriptions that we find here. Uh, He who is and who was and who is to come. Jesus, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. The ruler of the kings of the earth. He who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. He made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve God and the Father. I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Almighty. There is no doubt right at the beginning, John, the message is that this is a Jesus letter for his church. If anywhere in our study of Revelation, if we, anywhere we lose sight of Jesus, we have lost sight of the purpose and the theme of this letter. And so there's a, a warning, there's an exhortation there that if we get so distracted on working out the nuanced details and that we miss Jesus, we need to stop. Just put the brakes on, pull back a little bit and refocus on the person of Jesus. As we've entered the study of this letter, uh, the uh, original audience has been identified as the seven churches of Asia Minor. And historically, uh, as things were unfolding in the Roman Empire, Nero and the emperor following him were were the, the top dogs in charge. And they were giving witness and authority and power to the persecution, the killing of Christians. And so the recipients of this letter, I mean, just think about this a little bit. The recipients of this letter were were living in a culture where they had seen loved ones beaten and killed. They had, that maybe themselves had been imprisoned for the message of Jesus. And this is what shows up at the church. Focus on the Lord. Take your eyes up. Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Look up refocus evil will not have the ultimate say in this life and in this world jesus is lord and and friends that is a message we too can step into today because that too is our reality that as persecution in the world seems to uh, go awry we are reminded of the king of kings the lord of lords he will be enthroned in glory forever and ever this world is not all there is This is a Jesus letter for the church of all generations. And we get to take part in that in Christ Jesus. We get to take part. Friends, there's an invitation in this letter. It was an invitation to the first century church, and it's an invitation to us to refocus, to remember who holds the power and the authority, who rules the world. 
It's Jesus. It's Jesus. As John continues, he says, I, John, your brother and your companion in the suffering. Now remember, the churches are suffering persecution, but John got kicked out to Alcatraz, right? He's, he's relating, we're in this suffering together. I, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. So he's relating to his brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, I, I was there, I was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write down on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and Laodicea. As John is relating and and joining his brothers and sisters in the kingdom, uh, he is identifying with that suffering, and he is identifying that he is the one writing. He is partnering them, delivering the message of Jesus, the message of hope. And as much as we have wrestled with this for generations, it's easy to imagine the church then wrestled with this too. And so to hear that this was from their beloved leader, the apostle John, brought no doubt great comfort. He says in verse 12, I turned around to see the voice. So previously he he was just hearing a a voice, what the Lord was saying. And he says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white as wool, as, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Can you imagine? (laughs) You hear a voice and you turn around and that's who you see. And, and here we, we encounter again quickly some of the challenging aspects of Revelation, and that's its extensive use of imagery. What does it mean to see a sword to, out of his mouth, to see flowing robes, to see white hair? And those are symbols. They are conveying a message, and as those who are familiar with the Old Testament, those who are receiving this letter, they would have heard themes. They would have heard descriptors in this message. They would have heard uh, that Jesus, the one John saw, was a person of great dignity and a great authority. They would have heard that it was a man of wisdom and purity, holiness. They would have heard themes of glory and splendor. And remember, this is all about Jesus, his kingship, his glory, his kingdom, and John got to see it. John got to see it. Like, can you imagine you imagine? Look, look what happens next. Verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Can you you blame him? (laughs) Uh, Many of you, I'm sure, have heard the contemporary Christian song that plays across 
all genres of radio stations, but it's called I Can Only Imagine. You ever heard that song? Uh, where it talks about imagining uh, what our response will be when we get to see Jesus. You know, part of the song goes like, will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall, right? Or will I fall down as dead? Like, it doesn't have the same ring, right? But that's what happened to, to John, and you have to think, this is the guy, this is John, uh, who laid his head on the shoulder, on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper. This is John who witnessed the crucifixion. This is John who witnessed the resurrection, and he falls down as dead because he has seen Jesus in his glory. That's a good reminder today, friends, of who we worship. When we say Jesus is Lord, this is him. This is him. And I, I just love, I was so struck by this in studying this week. Look at, look at what happens next. So, so John drops out, just poof, as dead. Look how Jesus responds. The king of kings, in his glory, in his might, he placed his hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys to death and Hades. One so mighty, holy and glorious and powerful that causes John to drop dead comes over and places his hand and says, do not be afraid. John, don't be afraid. You, you were there. You, you know that I died. You, you, were, you saw me resurrected. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, John. The victory is mine, and so are you. And so are you. Can you imagine what that hand felt like? This is the revealing of Jesus. This is the revealing of Jesus. Uh, band, if you want to make your way forward. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For generations, um, we've wrestled with this book, right? We've wrestled with the message. We wrestle with questions. This whole idea of soon, like, how soon? Right? We've wrestled with this. We've wrestled with the timing and, and of late. You know, people, if you, oh, Lord help you, if you go to YouTube and start looking around, people are going to be wrestling with what character in Revelation matches up with China or Russia or is the United States here? Or, are the locusts locusts or are they helicopters? Like, all of this stuff is at the end of your smartphone. We've wrestled with this. And I'm not here to, to take away from any of that study or any of those things, but I just want to humbly say that, that this, is, this study, this journey is not going to be to chase down those details. Because I think there's a danger that if we get so lost in the weeds, we lose focus of the one, the mighty, magnificent one, that when we see, we fall down as dead, but we are comforted. And he says, do not be afraid. That's who we do not want to lose sight of in this study, friends. 
the revealing of Jesus and his kingdom. We want to see Jesus through the revelation, through the imagery. We want to see him and we want to know him. Because friends, this is our story in Christ. This is us. This is our story. This is Jesus. And so we just simply believe that revelation from, from the very beginning as we've studied to the very end, it's Jesus. And we don't want to lose sight of that. We believe that, yes, Jesus will return. And that soon. Jesus will return that the dead shall be raised to life, that there will be final judgment where sin and evil and death are dealt with once and for all. Christ will be victorious. Sin and evil and brokenness will not be allowed to go on forever. There is a judgment ahead in Christ Jesus, and he will be victorious. And friends, we believe that for those who profess him as Lord and Savior, there is the great hope, the hope of new heaven and new earth and an eternity spent with him, joining the legions and the thrones of angels who sing holy, holy, holy beside the throne of glory. There'll be time for dancing and shouting then too and worship for eternity. Friends, this world is not all there is. There is a great hope ahead for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Revelation is a reminder. It's an invitation. Don't miss it. Don't miss Jesus. Don't get so lost and so discouraged by the world, so bound in sin that we miss the hope of the person of Jesus. Don't miss it. Friends, for all of the prophetic things, for all of the visions and all of the warnings, there is an undeniable evangelistic call. There's an undeniable invitation to come, to experience him. Revelation 21, he says there, I, Jesus, have sent the angel to give you this testimony for the churches. This word is for the church. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. Verse 17 says, the spirit and the bride say, come, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, come, 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 friends. Will you commit to see Jesus in Revelation? Will you commit to let this be a revealing of the person that we worship, that we have crowned King of Kings, that, that He is Lord? Will we see Him? Will we see Him? Don't miss the opportunity, friends. Don't miss it. We want to see Jesus. Because, friends, th this is what it is to be a Christian, to be saved, whatever you want to call that, 
to step into relationship with Jesus is to be a part of his kingdom. And this is the revealing of that kingdom. Yes, friends, if, if we're not following Jesus, if we're not worshipers, there's a revealing that we will be separated from God for eternity. an invitation and a warning in the revelation of Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you are. You alone are worthy, God. the King of kings and Lord of lords. And your kingdom is here. Your kingdom is moving, Lord. We are in your story. Lord, we want to see you. Lord, we want to humbly hear from you. Lord, we want to hear your invitation to repentance, Lord, to turn away. Lord, we want to hear, Lord, you, you call out the churches, Lord. You call out idolatry and sin and loss of our first love, Lord. We want to humble ourselves before you. Because, Lord, you're calling out with an invitation to come, to worship you as a part of your kingdom. That's what we desire, Lord. We want to live with that hope to know that the news feed, CNN, Fox, doesn't matter, doesn't have the last story you do, Lord. And that we'll get to join you in eternity, worshiping, praising your holy name, dancing and shouting and worshiping. We want to see you, Lord. We want to see you. It's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.